Amen. Good morning. How are we doing today? Let's ask that question again. Good morning. How are we doing today? Amen. Amen. Glad to see everyone this morning. want to just welcome you, everyone the Christian Fellowship Church. Those of you uh, that are here, so glad you could be here with us. Those watching online this morning, we're glad to have you there. Just a quick reminder, we're still in phase two of reopening. So uh, we ask everyone here, uh, practice social distancing protocols, use hand sanitizer. If you're watching at home, remember, you need to be six feet away from the screen. (laughs) But also, the church van will not run until we get back in the uh, phase three to pick up people uh, for that. So just want to remind everyone of that. And we do want to say happy Valentine's Day to everyone. So look at everyone, just wave to them, say happy Valentine's Day. Amen. Amen. Uh, I got a public service announcement, just in case you did not know. uh, Tomorrow night, we're supposed to get down to close to 20 degrees. Uh, So that's on Monday night, not tonight. So if you have any pipes exposed, uh, please uh, insulate them so you're not... It's it's a lot easier to insulate a pipe than it is to change a pipe. Amen? So... uh, the next Monday and Tuesday night is supposed to be below freezing, so uh, that's not, we're not used to that in South Louisiana. Uh, those people watching from up north saying, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> that's, that's a warm front y'all got, so, uh, but that's not with us. So, again, just stay connected with us uh, on, online. Uh, we have a QR code, that, uh, guys, that are here in your, uh, in your bulletin that you could look at, uh, scan with your camera, and it brings you a quick link uh, Matthew, if you'd uh, put the QR code back up there for me, please. Matthew's pulling double duty right now with the sound and that. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, Facebook channel, uh, prayer requests. Uh, there's also a prayer wall besides prayer requests. If you go to the church website, welcome to cfc.com, on the link down, you go to prayer wall, and it's where you could go and pray for other people's prayer requests. They're going to have their requests there. There's a little button on the side that says pray. And when you press play, it's going to automatically count up and let that person know that someone else prayed for them. So it's to post your prayers and to uh, uh, pray for other people. Uh, you can give online through there and uh, also listen to the latest sermons. So uh, stay up to date with us on that. Amen. Uh, New Generations uh, Children's Church uh, tonight will be live streaming their uh, morning service, well, a replay at 7 p.m. tonight on their uh Facebook channel. Again, Wednesday evenings are canceled until further notice, uh, till uh, we get to phase three, uh, probably, uh, with uh, the reopening thing. So just want to remind everyone, or, or tell everyone happy birthday, that if you're having a birthday this week, between now and next Sunday, raise your hand. We just want to tell you happy birthday. Dwayne. I see somebody. Dwayne. Dwayne, Dwayne and who? Dwayne and Scott, happy birthday to you guys. All right. Anyone online, happy birthday to you also. That's all of them? Oh, my (laughs) wife. That's this week? Yeah, the 17th. (laughs) Okay, cut cut and edit. Let's go back. Cut and edit. We got to go back. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, I feel bad. So, please, let me reiterate. Go back on Facebook and go to the prayer wall and pray for me because I'm going to need it when I go home. Amen. <laughs> so uh, uh, what about anniversaries? Anyone have an anniversary this week? Right there. Happy oh, that's anniversary. Happy birthday. Uh, Yo. 
Oh, oh, happy anniversary. No, my, no, no, no. Oh, it's no. Bob's birthday Friday. Bob's it's birthday Friday. Okay, I, I, thought even Bob, I, thought, I thought you were pointing and not raising your hand, Bob. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right, what about anniversary? Any anniversaries between now and next week? No? All right. Well, what we're going to have is uh, take up our offering this morning. So if you would take your offerings out this morning as we get ready to give. Uh, just to let you know how you can give if you're not here today, I want to uh, let you know you could uh, mail it in to Christian Fellowship Church, Post Office Box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana. Uh, you send through regular mail there, or you could give online. You go to welcometocfc.com, and there's a, a giving app from there that you could give safe and secure. Amen. But the best way we like to give is being here in the house of the Lord. Amen. So let's stand to our feet as we read our uh, offering scriptures this morning. Offering scriptures are found in Psalms 34, verses 8 through 10. This is the Good News translation. It says, find out for yourself how good the Lord is. Happy are those who find safety with him. Honor the Lord, all his people. Those who obey him have all they need. Even lions grow hungry for lack of food, but those who obey the Lord lack no, nothing good. Uh, Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, those whom he has called according to his purpose, those whom God has already chosen he also set apart to become like his son, so that the Son would be first among many believers. So take your offering, hold it in your right hand, and repeat after me today. Say, as I give in today's offering, as I, give in today's offering I, believe I believe that you, O Lord, you, o Lord are, a loving, are a loving, kind, kind gentle, gentle, giving, giving generous, generous, and liberal God. And liberal God. You, will not hold back you will not hold back any good thing from my life. You are my provider, in Jesus' name. What we're going to do is we're going to ask you just to come down each aisle. There's three baskets in the front. Place your offering in it. Please remember, keep social distancing protocols as you come. Amen. Come on out this evening. Drop off your offering. What about the rest of you? That's, are you ready to worship the Lord this morning? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Our call to worship for February is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, where it says, Let us then always in every situation to offer praise to God as our sacrifice through Jesus, which is the offering presented uh, by the lips of that, they that confess him as Lord. Father, we just come to you this morning. 
Father, I turn this entire service over to you today. I ask that your Holy Spirit would move in this place, Father God, that everyone within the sound of my voice, whether they be here or online watching, Father God, today or in the future, Father, I just pray that your Spirit would move and touch each and every person, that every blind eye be open, every deaf ear uh, be able to hear, Father God, every mind be able to comprehend, and every heart be softened to receive your word today as we come to praise you, Father God, uh, for everything you've done, and we come to worship you for who you are. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, and everyone says, Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together as we worship the Lord. Amen.
for who you are, Father. It's not for what you can do for us, Lord. We just worship you for who you are, Lord. Just begin to raise your hands in this house. Just begin to invite the presence of God into this house. It's in God's presence that we see victory. It's in the presence of God that we see victory in all circumstances. So we just begin to lift praises up to God this morning. We don't look at our circumstances. We look to the God who is above our circumstances. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Just begin to feed on God's faithfulness. Just feed on how faithful he has been in the past. We can just look back at the evidence of everything that God has ever done in our lives. And we can know that if he did it before, he'll do it again. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you. We praise you. Praise you, Jesus. 
throughout my history Your faithfulness has walked beside me The winter storms made way for spring Every season from where I'm standing I see the evidence of your goodness All over my life All over my life I see your promises and fulfillment All over my life All over my life Help me But fear will leave You lead my heart to victory You are my strength And you always will be I see the evidence of your goodness All
thank the Lord for his presence that we're already feeling here this morning. Amen. How many of you know that even though you don't feel the presence of God, he is still there? But when he shows up and you feel that presence, it is such a life-changing thing. We want to go ahead and dismiss our children, uh, three, four, and five, to their class. Amen. Good to see everyone here today, and uh, I apologize to those online at home right now. 
Uh, I realize right now this second I was singing with my mic on, so I don't know what you were hearing. But uh, <laughs> they, they could, you probably couldn't hear me over here. But the Bible does say to make a joyful noise. So I was making noise. I hope it was joyful too. But it was lifted up to him. Amen, amen. So if you would, get out your Bibles. You can open it to John chapter uh, uh, 5, and we're going to uh, get out your notes, and we'll continue uh, we're starting a new message this morning. Uh, let's just go to the Lord as we get started this morning on a message called Restoration. Father, I just come to you today, Father. And I just pray and lift up each and every person in this whole uh, congregation here, whether it be online or in the building here this morning, Father. We invite your presence into our lives. We ask your spirit to have its way in each and every one of our lives, Father God. I pray for every deaf ear to be open to the spiritual truths this morning. I pray for every blind eye to be open to the spiritual truths this morning of your word. I pray that every mind could comprehend your word this morning, Father God. And I pray that every heart would receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says, Amen. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and take a shot of water here to get started. Amen. Uh, this message is entitled Restoration, and we're, we're going to be uh, talking about how God wants to restore us. Amen. How many of you have some issues that you'd like God to fix? in your life. Amen. All right. Good. We all do. But again, uh, if you're late here, we just want to wish you happy Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. It happens to be Sunday. And it reminded me of last time Valentine's Day fell on a Sunday. That uh, y'all know Boudreaux and Marie? Well, Marie always went to church, but Boudreaux would never go with her. So she says, Boudreaux, Valentine's Day is this Sunday. Would you please come to church with me on Valentine's Day? That could be my, your Valentine's Day present to me. And so Boudreaux says, okay, I guess I'll go. And uh, so Marie, hurry up on Saturday. She called Pastor Duga. And she said, Pastor Duga, you won't believe. We've been praying that Boudreaux, my husband Boudreaux, would come to church for years. He's finally coming tomorrow. So I need you to prepare a sermon and you let him have it. He said, this is our one chance. And so boy, Pastor Dugar gets ready, he studies up, and he's ready. He's got a whole big bunch of notes, and the next Sunday mo- uh, that Sunday morning, he begins preaching, and boy, Marie's sitting on the side of Boudreaux, and she's got such a big smile on, his, on her face, because Boudreaux's finally there, and Pastor Dugar's preaching and preaching, and he gave a three-hour sermon, because they knew that was the only chance they'd get, because of that he may not come back. And so finally when it was over, he prayed and he hurried up. Pastor Dugal went to the back glass doors to shake, make sure he was there to shake uh, Boudreaux's hand. And Boudreaux comes along and Pastor Dugal says, Oh, Boudreaux, it was so nice to have you here today. He says, What did you think about the service? And Boudreaux, he said, <laughs> He said, Pastor Dugal, he says, I want to let you know, there's a very fine line or a very fine difference uh, between a long sermon, and being held hostage. He says, and I don't know which one it was. <laughs> so, so we're going to get on this message this morning. Amen. Amen. How many of you know it's okay to laugh in the house of the Lord? Amen. It's good to have the joy. I hope you laughed at that joke. I don't know. It don't matter. Amen. But what we want to talk about is restoration. I believe that God 
and hopefully you believe that God wants to do miraculous things in your life. That God, uh, our scripture this morning even reminded me uh, where it says that uh, in Hebrews thirteen fifteen, where it says that uh, God wants to change us, uh, uh, calling change us into the likeness of his son. I mean, in Romans eight twenty nine, that God wants to change us into the likeness of his son. What that means is change our character. God wants to change us to act more like his son. Now, what I want you to know that if you're born again, your, your, your uh, spirit has already been restored, already been uh, taken care of by believing in Jesus Christ. So we, we have been saved, we have been born again. And then our bodies, we like restoration in that. And I do believe God, and we've seen it miraculously, heals people in different things in different areas in their life. But how many of you know that Really, in the Bible, it lets us know that our bodies aren't going to be totally healed in this life right now, right? That these are bodies we will die. You, we do believe you pray for people, pray for healing, and we believe in God's divine physical healing. But guess what? The cemetery is still full of people, bodies, right? But their spirits are with, with the Lord if they've given their heart to the Lord. But the Bible does tell us that the day is coming, a time is coming when we will all be changed. So we understand that although Jesus died for our healing, our body, this body will never make it to heaven. We're going to get a change. It's called the glorified body. That we'll all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And that this mortal body will put on immortality. And that, that's so we know our spirit gets restored when we're born again. We know that a time's coming where our physical body is going to be restored, I believe, to the original creation of Adam and Eve before they had sinned. They were created to live forever in these things. But what I kind of want to mostly focus on today is the restoration of our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, the things that we go through in life. And, and part of what I want you to understand is as we go through life, we're like an old car. Things start breaking. We think that usage in life wears us out a little bit. And again, not just physically, but emotionally. And it's important to realize that we see things in life through a filter. And that filter is the life that you have lived. If you, you, you don't know how someone sees a situation until you, you ever heard that thing, walk the mile in their shoes. But that doesn't do it justice. It's if you only lived their life that they lived already. So you understand that where you're brought up, how you're brought up, in an environment you brought up will affect the way you are, the way you see things. And, and I can tell you right now, if I would take a survey after this sermon's over and say, all right, tell me uh, what the sermon meant to you, you'd have totally different answers. Because people have been through to, uh, totally different lives. Only you have lived the life you lived. Only you can react that way. I got twin daughters. So you say, uh, how would, uh, you know, being twins should see things most alike. But you could talk to them and it may be one situation we'll go through and they see it totally different than the other one. Right? Have you ever told your spouse something and they took it exactly the opposite of what you were talking about? You know, like this morning, I was only playing like I didn't know her uh, birthday existed. But she's not going to believe that. <laughs> right? But we need to understand that people go through things. So God wants to heal us. 
from all the damage that we've, we've, we've occurred in life, things that we've been through, uh, you know, relationship issues, if you've been abused uh, or uh, divorced, uh, something left, somebody, you, you know, the hardest thing is when somebody gives their heart to somebody for so many years and things, and that person ups and leaves. It's very hard for that person to trust another person again. Because your heart was crushed, you know, things like that. And so we, we begin living life with filters that we're, and protections and walls that we go through. But God wants to change us back into the image of his son in our character. And let me say this now at the beginning. A lot of the things that you're going through in life is, the exact thing, is, is what God is using to change you into the image of his son. I venture to say that some of the things we pray for God to change in our life, you know why they're not changing? Because he's trying to use that to change you. Yeah? We, we go through things in life because I believe God uses situations to show us our faults. Because we don't see it. We see it in everybody else, but we don't see it in ourselves. We, we have our filter. My wife said amen to that. She shouldn't have been saying that. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we see through filters in life through, through what we've lived through. And so we have barriers we don't trust and, and these things, but God wants to heal us. Jesus says, I've come to, to give you life and life to the full. He wants to heal us. So let's look at Psalms 22, verses 1 and 3, uh, where it says this. Now, we're going to focus more on verse 3, but I, I just couldn't leave out verses 1 and 2. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And he does what? Refreshes my soul. And your soul is your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your emotions. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And this is what I want you to understand. That word, some uh, translation says to restore your soul. Uh, NIV says refresh your soul. Uh, and the reason, let me just stop for a second. Different translations use different words. is because the Greek and Hebrew languages uh, that uh, they translate from is a very rich language. They have many more words than we have in the English language. So, uh, again, around here, if someone would want to translate to French, Cajun French from English, sometimes there are, there's not a word in the English language or French language that actually match each other perfectly. So you use other words to try and convey that message. Uh, the, the example I always use is, let's say the Hebrew or Greek language has the word boat. And, uh, uh, well, I mean, uh, has, uh, the English language has the word both, but the Greek and Hebrew language, which is much richer, has many more words, would have a word for dinging. A dinghy, you know, a little lifeboat type thing. But the English language would only have boat. So the English language may say a little boat, okay, or this. Or the, the uh, Hebrew and Greek would have the word ship, but all the English language would have would be boat. So it, when we're saying both it, it, in the Greek and Hebrew, it could be many different things. So that's where you see different translations. They use different words to try uh, and explain what it is. So that's why some Bibles will say refreshes your soul. Some Bibles will say restores your soul. Because the original uh, Hebrew word means both those things. Okay, so it refreshes our soul. He guides me along paths for his name's sake. So it refreshes. Now that word refresh or the restore means to bring back 
to our original or to be made whole. And I think about that, that when a child is born, the innocence of that child, that he's only going to, he's going to learn from what he experiences and in the environments he's in. And I believe if you, you could take the same child and place them in a, this negative environment or in a very positive environment, and when that child grows up, they would be two, two totally different people because they're affected by the environment around them, what they learn, because they're in their innocence, but life hurts. Things we go through in life hurt. We hurt other people, and other people hurt us. We live in a broken world with broken people. And so we, we have to realize that as, as we go through this, but God says, I want to refresh your soul. I want to bring you back to the place where you can live life to the fullest, where you're not living through these hurtful filters that you've experienced in life. Think, think about an older car. You know, you may have parts of it that don't work no more. All the pieces are there, but what happened? Time, knowledge has wore it out. And that's what happens in our life. Some parts of our life gets hurt, crushed, and we're not living to the fullest that God has for us, that we've become a shell of what God really has. We've actually become spiritually crippled and not walking in the fullness of God that he has for our life. So God, God wants us, us to realize that, and this is what I want to let you know this morning, that your past does influence the way you see things, the way you interpret things, and the way you react to things. Now, listen to me good. Your past does influence the way you see things, the way you interpret things, and the way you react to things. But your past does not have to determine your destiny. See, right now we're acting a certain way when we face a certain situation, but God's trying to work these things, restore our soul that we're not responding out of hurt or fear in these situations, that we can have life to the full. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's look at a couple of more uh, verses here. Uh, this isn't in your notes, but I, I gave you some lanyap today. Uh, Psalms 147 verse 3 says, he heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. How many of you know a person that is injured, brokenhearted, cannot function in life like normal, like God intends you to? So he wants to heal you. He wants to restore your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That you could be walking whole. That, that you're not walking in, in rejection. And that you, that you think people don't like you. That you feel less than somebody else. That, that all these things. That you're walking around with anger and all these things. God does not want that for your life. He wants, you to be he wants to change you into the image of his son. And some of the things we go through are the very things he's using to change us. To make us aware Remember that when the rooster crowed three times? It, it made Peter remember what Jesus said. Jesus was saying, I already know this is in your life, but you need to know it's in your life. Joel 22, 25 says this, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I send among you. God wants to repay you for what the enemy has done. The enemy comes to what? Kill, steal, 
and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you have, may have life, but also a restored life. That when well, all the things and heartaches you've been through in life, God wants to heal that broken heart. God wants to mend up all those wounds that life has dealt you. Now, what I want to do is uh, read from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. I've already taught on uh, this here, but I want to look at it from a different way. Again, not from a physical standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint of what's happening here. (coughs) This is the pool of Bethesda where Jesus heals a man that was lame. So, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9 says this. Sometime later... Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, if you notice in your Bible, this is more line yet. When it speaks about Jerusalem, it always talks about going up to Jerusalem. Now, that's not like here. It's not going up the Baya and down the Baya, right? Jerusalem was set at, I think, at four, around four or 5,000 feet above sea level. So they always, when you went to Jerusalem, you went up to Jerusalem. And I, I, I think that's got symbolic meaning behind it to begin with as we go up. It says, went to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there was in Jerusalem near the sheep gate. Now this, I think this is very important. That is the sheep gate. And who is Jesus to be? The Lamb of God. You see, there was many gates to go in the city and they were named different things because they were used for certain purposes. And this gate where the pools were happened to be the sheep gate, which is the Lamb of God. Uh, Jesus is the Lamb of God. And let me just stop here for a second. I don't want to get you lost on this. But that gate was used to bring sheep into Jerusalem. Now, some of it was for food, but many of it was for to be sacrificed that the sacrifice would come through the sheep gate and the pools out there that we're going to talk about in a second, some of them were used to actually cleanse the sheep before they were brought into the sacrifice. Because I don't know if you ever seen sheep from in a pasture, but they're filthy. They're a very dirty animal. And some of the pools were used to cleanse it. So here we got Jesus, I think, kind of showing what he was, is, is that he's the sacrificial lamb of God, and what he's going to do is cleanse you from everything out of your life. All the sin, all the hurt that's going on in your life. So let, let's go on here. Verse 2. Now there was in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic, which is called Bethesda which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Uh, Here a great number of disabled people used to to lie. And I want to stop here for a second. So there were actually five pools, not just one pool. And the pools kind of connected to each other. So this is a large area, and many people would be able to gather around there. And what what is said to, to happen was that once a year, an angel of the Lord would come down, and when this water would be stirred, the first person to get in would be healed of whatever they had. And so we see this man who's, who's an a invalid for uh, 48, uh, 38 years is there and Jesus sees him. And, and this is what we need to be, uh, kind of pick up from this is realizing that Jesus wants to cleanse us all through salvation in Jesus Christ. But he's there to, to kind of do what he's getting ready to do on the cross and do for everyone. And then this is what he goes on to say. It says, here a great number of what kind of people? Disabled people. Now, this is talking about physical, but we're, I want you to think about it in the uh, 
spiritual sense and uh, emotional sense. A, a person who is, is emotionally crippled, broken hearted, will, does not function like a person that's not. Right? It, it's it's a, a person that can't trust anybody else. They've been hurt so much. Uh, maybe they've been abused in certain ways. So that, that none of their relationships are working because of the distrust that they have. They're, they're actually disabled to function because life has crippled them emotionally. And, and listen, we all have our different stories that, that everybody's been through something. But so, there are some people who have been through horrible things in life. I thank God that my life hasn't been that way, but we know there are. And God, Jesus says, I've come to restore you, to fix what, what, what things happened in your life. So there are a bunch of disabled people used to lie, lie. And the first thing he says, the blind. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. The blind and a thing you can't see, but how many of you know that many people are blinded to the truth? But what sets you free? The truth. So if I never could see the truth, I'll never be set free. I'll never be made whole. I'll never walk in wholeness. My heart is going to always be hurt. You need to know that Jesus loves you, that there is someone who loves you. Because there are some people that are so broken from this world, so emotionally heartbroken, that they think even God don't love them. Because somehow we could blame God and, and say, you let all this happen in my life. Why didn't you stop it? They've become blind to the love of God in their life. They've become blind, and, and we need to know, the, the Bible says that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And they're blinded, and God needs our eyes to be open to the truth so we can believe. Then it goes on to say uh, that the lame, that the blind, the lame. Now, lame means a body part that is not working. It's there, but it's somehow not working. Uh, uh, when someone has a stroke, uh, you know, one arm may not work. Everything's there and should be working, but it's not. So we understand that when we go through uh, life's hurts and different things in life, it cripples us. We're all here, but we're not functioning the way we should because life has beat us up so much. Is, you may, is that making sense? You're, you're understanding what I'm saying? Okay, so next is... Uh, is that the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. The paraly paralyzed means uh, powerless or ineffective. And I, I think what we need to realize is how Satan works. He comes and he wants to paralyze the believers. He wants you to think that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead somehow doesn't live in you. I, I always say this, you know, so, so many believers think that their prayers aren't as good as somebody else's prayers. I need somebody else to pray for me. I, I, I need the pastor to pray for me. And there's nothing wrong with the pastor praying for you. But you need to quit being paralyzed and realize that you have effective prayers. Your prayer, you, the reason you don't have is because you don't ask. Or you, the Bible also says about that you're asking for the wrong motivation, for the wrong reasons. But you have the same Spirit of God living in you that any pastor does. It's not, it's not there's a different spirit for the pastor. No, it's if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that same spirit is living in you. And you have the power to pray and receive and God to heal and do all those things. But the enemy does not want you to think that. 
the enemy wants you to think you are something less. He power, we're spiritually paralyzed. We're ineffective because we don't know who we are and we don't realize who he is. Verse 5 says, again, after blind, lame, and paralyzed, it says, one who was there that had been an invalid for 48 years. An invalid means disabled. He's disabled. He got all his body parts, everything's there, but he's disabled for 38 years. And I want you to know that I don't care how long you've been suffering in your life with the broken hearts and things, it's never too late for God to heal you and make you whole and restore you. Okay? So that's what we want to talk about. Notice, notice what he goes on to say. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, which sounds to be a ridiculous question, but we'll get into this a little later. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And in the man's mind, he probably, I've been laying here, I'm waiting to get in the pool, right? And he gives him the, this. But why does Jesus ask that question? Do you think re- Jesus really did not know if, he want, if the guy really wanted to be well? Can I tell you something? When God asks you a question, it's not that he doesn't know the answer. It's he's trying to get you to examine yourself. Because you may be b- believing a lie or not really thinking about the whole situation. Okay, Jesus says, do you want to get well? And we're, we're going to talk about it in a, in a few minutes of how this happened. But how many remember uh, in the garden? I always, I always go back to the garden because you always trace it back to the original point. When Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God. Then God came and said, where are you? Like he couldn't find them. They're playing hide-and-seek, and God had no idea where they were. And God would have never found them until Adam said, here we are. You see, before God asked the question, Adam thought, we are hiding from God. We don't have to face the truth in our life. But once God asked the question, where are you, Adam had to begin thinking, what did we do? You see... When God asks you a question, it's for you to examine yourself. He already knows the answer. The problem is we don't know the answer most of the time. And he's trying to show us something that's inside of us that we have no idea that is inside of us. With Peter was the perfect example. When Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times, and Peter said, no way. There is no way inside of me would ever deny you three times. And Jesus says, when the rooster crows three times, when the rooster crows three times, you're going to have denied me. And the second the rooster crowed is when Jesus looked at him. And Jesus was basically saying, told you so. You had no idea you would do what you done. You thought there was no way you would do what you do. The thing that was inside of you, the fear of, of uh, condemnation that was going to come over you, you never thought was inside of you. And you see, that's why God has to allow us to go through situations sometime to show us what is inside of us. And he wants to change us into the image of his son, and he needs to work those things out. So Jesus says, do you want to get well? And he, he replies, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me to the pool when the water is stirred. 
while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said simply, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day, on that day was, was the Sabbath, and that goes on to say where, again, we're not getting into this morning as where they were questioning him working on the Sabbath. But here's my thing for you today. We've got 15 minutes that we're going to do this in. Three questions. First question is, what is your struggle in life right now? Now, you can think about it. You can write your answer down, but I want you to start thinking about what is your struggle right now that you know is going on in your life, okay? Take a sip of water here. And bring these papers home that you may not want to write that answer down right now with people on the side of you. I understand that. But think about it. What is your struggle? What, what is going on? What, what has you paralyzed? What has you disabled? What has you not fulfilling and living the life that Christ has for you? See, our struggle, can I tell you this? There's not a single person in here that's not struggling with something. Including self. If you're a human being, you're struggling with something in life. We have not been perfected yet. We, there's always something uh, in our area, again, through, through the filters that we see live, that we've been hurt, there's things that we still, you know, I, I still could think of things in my life where people probably don't even remember it, but they may have said something or done something that it feels like they've just done it today. You know, it may have hurt you or, or different type things, and, and you, 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 that's still fresh in you, but God wants to heal you of those things and, and because that affects the way you, you live your life. You know, it may, it, may get, it may cause a spirit of rejection to come over you, and you, you can't take criticism in any way if someone wants to talk to you or, you, or you take something as criticism that isn't criticism because of what you've been through. Uh, again, all different kind of things is, is uh, happening here. And this is what I want you to understand. We live in an imperfect world filled with imperfect people. We all struggle with things in physical, our thought patterns, bad habits, uh, things like that, uh, disciplines in our life. Things that, are, that we need to have disciplines in our life. To be a disciple, is one of the forms of that word is to have disciplines in your life that you don't run off thought life right what what does the bible tell us that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to christ you see because sometimes our thoughts our reactions are not obedient to christ it's because based on the emotions and the things we've been through and god says hold on don't respond that way make that thought obedient to christ it may be you 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 got you got a loose tongue you know, I, I call it diarrhea of the mouth, that it goes straight from the brain and right out the mouth, that you don't think about what you're saying, you, uh, the consequences of things, that everything you think comes out your mouth and you're this and this, oh, why did I say that? I didn't mean to do that. I didn't say, right? What does the Bible tell us about our tongue? Be slow to speak, but quick to listen. How many of us have that totally reversed? We don't listen, but we, but we give out, right? We give out that information. We, we give out our feelings. We, we give out, and sometimes it's those things that we're responding to that we've been through in life, and we're responding from our filter in life. 
That it, that it doesn't necessarily mean the, that's the way it is. So 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 2 says this. So if you think you are standing firm, okay, for all you self-righteous religious, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Peter thought he was standing firm. Jesus had to show him, and, and this is what it, it goes on to say, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. In other words, everyone struggles. Paul even said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. We understand those struggles in life that, that we go through. So we understand that everyone has a struggle. And the Bible also tells us that God can't heal a womb if the people don't say it's there. So you have to own whatever you're going through. You have to say, God, I've struggled with this in my thought life. I, I struggle with this. I've been hurt in the past with this. And I know it, it causes me to react to certain situations not the way you would want me to. I have to understand those things and, and believe God can heal those things. So here, here's the next question. Question number two. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Now, most people are going to have the word yes. Yeah, I want you. I, I want to be healed. But here's the thing. Pastor Allen had made these statements a long time ago, and it always stuck with me, but it, it's so true. What do you want? You want to be made well? Yeah. Okay, what does it cost to be made well? Thirdly, are you willing to pay the price? See, we all say yes to the first one. We want to be made well. We know what the cost is, but we struggle with paying the price. You see, there are disciplines in our life that you have to follow. Right? Let, let, let me just say this. We're going to use a Scots parable. Okay, a parable in the Bible is where Jesus used normal world situations to explain a spiritual situation. What do I want? Scott wants to lose weight and be in better shape. What does it cost? Diet and exercise. Are you willing to pay the price? <laughs> Sometime. <laughs> Sometime. Not all the time. Not like, not this year, but year before last, I said, We're, I'm going to do it. Anybody ever tried Weight Watchers? The diet works. If you discipline yourself to that diet, you will lose weight. Now, so two years ago, I had joined, and in just one month, I had lost over $23. <laughs> right? That's all I lost. Why? Did the diet not work? Yes, it does, but if I didn't apply it and have the discipline to follow it, Okay, this is what I want you to understand. There are disciplines God needs us to follow in our life, spiritual disciplines in life, that we could want to be healed. We could want this. We could want all kinds of spiritual things, but if we're not willing to, to pay the price to have the discipline. You see, even in salvation, God requires part from you. Jesus paid the price, but God needs you to believe enough. So it's an easy price for us is just believing in this thing. But if you don't believe in the Son, the salvation that was provided for you will never come into your life. You have to believe. So what do you want? 
how much does it cost and you know, are you willing to pay the price? And the question was, do you want to get well? Can I, I tell you just a, quickly a few reasons we don't change? Number one reason why we don't change is we think it's beyond God's ability. Jesus says, with salvation, it's impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. So I'm still believing one day I'll, be, I'll lose 23 pounds instead of $23. Right? So we understand those things that God has disciplines for us to do. God's super works on our natural. Okay? He needs us to team up with him. For me to be saved, God done everything he can, but I, I, at some point in my life I had to say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and invite him into my heart. You see, God does his part, but sometimes there's parts we have to do. So we need to know who God is. And again, let, let's read Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, where it says this. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep his degrees, decrees, I will not bring on you any of these, these diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. And you see, if you're not careful, you love the end of that, but you, you forget about the beginning, what he's telling you. You love that he is supernatural healing power. He's the God that heals you. But there's something he says before I require of you. So let's back up and read this again. He said, if you listen. Is that a condition? Well, I would say if you, if you don't listen, then apparently not. He says, if you listen, but, and it goes beyond this, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God, and then he says, not only listening, but he says, and do what is right in his eyes. Let's go back to Weight Watchers. It works. I listened to, and I knew what I was supposed to eat. I had it on my phone, the meals, that, how you count your points. I listened and knew everything it was supposed to happen, but I didn't do everything. The Bible tells us, don't be hearers only and deceive yourself. Do what the Word of God says. Then he says, if you, pay, if you do what is right in his eyes and if you, pay attention to his, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his degrees, uh, decrees. So in other words, if you know what God says, you listen and do what he tells you, things change. He is the God that can heal you. But he, we have to be disciplined in our life in, in areas. Again, reasons we don't change is because reasons things don't change is God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. I've said that before, but let me tell you again. He wants us to be changed into the image of His Son. He's more concerned about your character than your comfort. Because how many of you know, and I always say this, the only time I move in my bed is when I become uncomfortable. You know, you're laying down for a while and you're nice, comfortable, snoring away, then all of a sudden you're not comfortable, so you change. You see, if our life is very comfortable in everything, we will never change. 
will never grow. We will never move. God, God says some things he has to allow in your life to make you uncomfortable that brings change in your life. Because if, if that wouldn't happen in your life, you'd be willing to stay with the way it is. And God wants to change you and restore you. Another reason would be we become, again, become very, we become too comfortable with the situation we're in. A lot of times people have that mentality, well, it's always been this way and I'll just cope with it and we'll leave it that way. Things will never change. Oh, I'll never lose weight, so I might as well quit trying. See, that's not how we're supposed to do. See, don't get comfortable with the situation, the way things used to be or always been. I remember this, a pastor told me this, and this is a true story. And so her, when you're thinking you want to be healed with this, is he went to pray for our lady that was disabled and had a lot of pain in her life. And he begins praying for her and says, Lord, I pray that she is healed. And she, hold it, hold it. I don't want to be healed. I just want the pain to stop. If I'm healed, I'll lose my disability check. Think about it. You could become comfortable in a situation enough that you're willing to remain there. You, you kind of want some change. I, I kind of want, you know, I want things to change, but I just want things to stay the same. I, want, I, I, I don't want to be healed, but I want the pain gone because the, the healing brings my check. It will mess up my check. Think about that. Some, sometimes we want God to change part of the situation but not the whole situation because we're comfortable with part of it and not the whole thing so let's look again being comfortable with a situation numbers 14 3 and 4 says this why is the lord bringing us to this land this is when he's uh, freeing the uh, israelites from egyptians why is he bringing us into this land only to fall by the sword our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better to, for us to go back? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back and be slaves again? Wouldn't it be better? We, we're starting to come up against opposition. Things are going to change in our life. Wouldn't it be better to go back at, at, to the place and be what we had been praying for God to change for 400 years? For 400 years, we've been whining and crying, God deliver us, and he's trying to deliver us. But any, op- any, any little opposition we come against, what? No, let's go back. See, what did they want? They wanted to be free. What was the price? They'd have to fight the enemy, but God would be on their side. Were they willing to pay the price? No. They'd rather be back slaves than pay the price. Sometimes we become comfortable in our own situation. It says, and they said to each other, we should choose another leader and go back. Again, another reason which ties into this one is we return to what's familiar in life. Right? We return to what everybody in this room probably said had a New Year's resolution. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read every day from my Bible. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do exercise every day. All these things. And it lasts for a little while, but then before you know it, you go back to your default 
settings of before. And before you know it, you're back to what was familiar, the same old routine. Breaking a habit is very hard. Establishing discipline is very hard. It takes work. Uh, everybody in here probably already moved the garbage. Here's something to do. Go move your garbage can. And you're going to start noticing, you're going to be throwing trash, and in the, while it's in the middle of the air, you're going to realize the garbage can's not there anymore. You're going to always go to the same place to put, where's the garbage can? Because it's programmed. See, this is where the Bible talks about not conforming any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Well, part of change in life is we have to break that old pattern and establish a new pattern. Fourth thing is we try, sometimes we blame others instead of owning it. We blame others for our situation instead of doing our part. If so-and-so would only act this way, I would be happy. If this would happen that way, oh, if only they would. I call this giving away your happy button. This is my happy button. I'm placing it in your hands, Tim Guidry, and you're going to determine when I'm happy. It'd be foolish doing something like that. But we do that all the time when we allow the actions of others to affect our life. A lot of times we blame, I'm not happy because of so-and-so. I'm not happy because... Granted, it break, people bring chaos in your life, but you can't let it control you. Notice what, what the guy said to Jesus. He kind of started blaming. He said, sir, you asked him, we want to be healed. Sir, the invalid said, I ain't got nobody to help me. Not my fault. Only somebody would help me. And then again, they don't care about me. They jump right in. They, they get in the water before me. What about us? What is our responsibility in everything? I, I love even from the very beginning, again, Adam and Eve, Genesis uh, 3, 12 and 13, once they sin, here the blame game starts. The man said, it's the, whose fault? The woman. God, that woman you gave me. <laughs> I was perfectly happy, God. Uh, and, here, and then you said it's not good that I should be alone. It's a, if you would have left me alone, this wouldn't have happened. He said, so in other words, it's her fault and your fault. I'm the only innocent one, God. It's easy to blame others. So God looks at Eve and she says, it's the serpent. It wasn't my fault, it's him that tricked me. Well, guess what? They both made their decisions. We have to own the decisions that we make in life and through those things and realize that every decision you make in life has consequences, whether it be good or bad. You, you reap what you sow. If I sow discord, dis hate, that's what I'm going to reap in life. We can't blame others for every single thing. You know, if someone comes up and tells me, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about getting married for the tenth time, but I just can't find the right person. Can you pump the brakes? If every relationship you in is chaos, maybe you're bringing the chaos. And it's not the rest of the world. 
So we've got to be careful not to blame anybody else in these situations. And again, just quickly wanted to talk about why things may not change in our life. But the third thing I just want to mention right now is what is God speaking to you? What is he speaking to you in your life? Things that you've gone through, are we careful to listen to him? What is he speaking to you? Notice in John 5, 8 and 9 what he tells the man. Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And he says that once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. God told, Jesus told him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. How many of us are guilty of God telling us something and we don't do it? You see, that man could have just said, oh, man, I'm crippled. I can't get up. He could have just stayed sitting there, but he didn't. When God spoke to him, when Jesus spoke to him, he acted on it. He said, get up and go. Now, God may be telling you, slow down and wait. And we're not. God may say, pick up and go. He may be saying, no, you need to let something go. You, there's something in your life you need to put down that is not good for you. God may be telling you to move or to wait. He may be saying to go or to stay. He may be saying to pick up or to put down. But only you know what God is speaking to you. And we have to be willing to do what he tells us. See, that's the key. We have to be disciplined enough. God may be dealing with you saying, hey, we need to get in our word more. We need to pray more. And you want to, but when it comes time, we revert back to old patterns. What has he been dealing with you in life? Maybe it's some, some habit or addiction that he says you need to put down. Because he's trying to change you into the image of his son. And lastly, we'll close with this. John 10, 27 and 30 says this. Jesus says, again, talking about what is he speaking to you. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. What... What in your life has God spoken to you already about, but yet you failed to do? See, a lot of times people are, God doesn't speak to me. Well, have you done everything he's already told you? Don't expect God to tell you more when you haven't done or haven't been faithful already. See, when he's told the man, get up and walk, if the man would have stayed sitting down, wouldn't it have been ridiculous for, Jesus, for the man to start grumbling? I wish he'd tell me something else. We need to remember and listen to what God has already told us. Reflect in the past. What has God told you to do that you're not doing already? That you've reasoned your way out of it? That you've went back to default settings, the way it's always been, the way I've always done things. See, change comes when we discipline ourselves. What do you want? What does it cost? And are you willing to pay that price? Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer this morning. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity here this morning first.
is just to invite Christ into your heart to be Lord of your life and receive the gift of salvation that God has for each and every one of us. So I ask everyone in this building just and watching online, simply say this simple prayer with me from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I am in need of a Savior. I know that I fall short in many areas of my life, but I believe that you love me so much that you sent your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And I believe he was resurrected in three days and is seated at your right-hand side. I invite Christ to come into my heart to renew my spirit I receive the gift of salvation provided through Jesus right now from this day forward. Amen. Father, I just pray for each and every one in the sound of my voice right now. Father, I just pray that you continue to move in each and every one of our hearts and our spirits, Father God, that you continue working to make us whole, Father God, that you restore us, you refresh us, Father God, you restore our soul, that our mind would become clear with the things of God, our heart would become pure with the uh, uh, thoughts of God and the things of God. Father, I just pray that everyone be healed, Father God, of past things, that we cannot see things through our eyes these days, but we see them through yours. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday morning. Amen. Remember, go on the church website each day and pray for those people that need prayer. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. All right. God bless you.